So when you put your mask over top of your mic, it really is, it is really loud. It's like this. You know? A couple of you, you fell asleep there. Well, yeah, I don't do that. Maybe I should preach a little sermon that way. What do you think? Nah, nobody was sleeping, right? Hey, I want to say hey to the people who are joining us online. We are just so glad that you're able to be with us during this time. And uh, we value you. Uh, we consider you part of what's going on here. And we trust God to continue to work in your life. Um, even uh, this morning as we uh, look into his word together. Speaking of looking in his word together, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them to Mark chapter 4. going to be reading about five verses there, Mark chapter 4. I feel like this is sticking up at my eyeball. There we go. Mark chapter 4. And there is, as always, a Bible app event for this. So if you have the Bible app and you go there, you can follow along with some auxiliary passages as well. Do you know the story about the starfish? You probably do. It's one of my favorite stories, and I tell the story more often than maybe I should. It's a story of this guy who's walking along the beach, and uh, the beach is actually strewn. It is littered with, uh, literally littered with starfish. And what has happened is the tide has come in, and then it dropped, and it left those starfish all there, and then the, the tide went out. And, you know, you don't have to be a marine biologist to know those buddies are going to just dry up and die. That is just part of nature. That's how that's going to happen for them. This guy's walking out across that beach and he sees way up ahead of him, he sees this one person who's stooping down and then walking to the surf's edge and then walking back. Stooping down, walking to the surf's edge, then walking back. Stooping, and, and as he gets closer, he realizes that guy's picking up starfish and he's walking them down to the edge of the sea and he's throwing them in. And, you know, the first guy, he just can't, he can't help himself. And he says, you must be crazy. I mean, these starfish are strewn from here as far as I can see. There's got to be tens, hundreds of thousands of them, perhaps millions. There's a bajillion. There's countless ones here. Wow. What possible difference do you think what you're doing can make? The guy bent down and he picked up a starfish. He walked it to the edge of the sea and he tossed it in. And as he did so, he said, it makes a difference to this one. Isn't that a great story? It's just one of my favorite stories in, in the world. And, and the lesson of that story is pretty obvious, I think, that even if you can't help everyone, you should help whoever it is that you can help, that whatever good is available for you to do, that's the good that you should do. That's the point of the story. But I kind of want to, I want to show you just another thought that that story brings home to me. I want to make a broader application than that. Today we're actually beginning a new series uh, on the transforming nature of Bible stories. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at some stories in the Bible. And the application that I want you to grab from the starfish story is what I want you to grab from everything today. That stories are incredibly powerful. That that story of the starfish has shaped my life. It has shaped how I serve you as your pastor. From being a a younger man who said, wow, only one guy came to Bible study tonight, what a waste of time that was, to being a pastor who says, wow, there's only one guy there. It matters to him. It matters to him. Yeah. Stories are incredibly powerful. Do you want another one? Here's another one that you probably know. There's this boy who's bored with watching the sheep and uh, he's a shepherd boy, he's up on a hill outside of town, and he needs some company, he needs some excitement. So he yells, wolf, wolf, and the townspeople all come up to save the sheep and him from the wolf. And when they get there, there's no wolf there. 
You know this story, right? And so eventually, he does this over and over again. Eventually, they say, he's lying. So he cries, wolf, wolf. And they don't come up, but there really is a wolf there. And depending on the age group to which you're telling that story, either the sheep get eaten or the boy gets eaten. You know, that's how how it ended when I was a kid anyway. Do you get the point of that story? The point is this. A liar will not be believed even when he tells the truth. That's the point of the little boy who called wolf. I think to myself about stories and how they've influenced me through the years. I think of movies that have influenced me through the years. And I just took time to write a few of them came down or came to mind. I wrote them down. And some of these movies have adult language and adult behavior in them, but they're powerful stories. Schindler's List, American Sniper, Gran Torino, Secondhand Lions, this movie, To Kill a Mockingbird. If you haven't seen it, watch it. The Black Panther, Slumdog Millionaire, Gandhi, The Passion of the Christ. Even though those movies, some of them have intense violence, especially the last one, and have adult language and things that you would think a pastor would never, they have left a powerful impression for the good in my life because stories are powerful. This is one of the reasons that the Bible is full of stories. Jonah and the great fish. That's a great story. It is not a story to entertain children. In fact, it's not a children's story at all. It is a story to produce in you a sense of your compassion or lack thereof for people who don't have the truth of God. It's a great story. Jesus talks about stories briefly in our text today and mysteriously in our text today. So if you would, follow along as we read these few verses, starting in verse 9 of Matthew 4. Then Jesus says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And when he was alone, the twelve and others around him ask about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing and never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Jesus speaks in parables, in stories, so that people who have ears will hear what he's saying. Okay, almost everybody has ears, right? So Jesus isn't talking about our physical ability to hear. He is talking about your spiritual ability to hear. And for the most part, spiritual ability to hear is something inside of our control, It has to do a little bit with spiritual hunger. And the stories make truth available to people who genuinely desire truth. Stories kind of put truth on the bottom shelf. You know what I mean by that? One Sunday morning, I'd finished preaching. I went to the back and I was greeting people as they were walking out the door. And Bill Fryer, who has since gone to be with the Lord, he shook my hand that Sunday morning and he said, Pastor, you put it down on the bottom shelf. I thought, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult. (laughs) And he probably could read that in my face. He said, no, 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 that's what we do. We put the good stuff down on the bottom so everyone can reach it. 
Everyone can. That's what stories do. And because of that, it's really important that we see the meaning of a given story, particularly in the Bible. I sent a text to a whole boatload of people uh, this week, and I asked them, tell me one movie that has made an impression in your life. Or if you can't think of just one, you know, just maybe a couple that you think have significantly impacted your life. And I got some really interesting replies. I actually watched an anime movie because of Proton. He sent me an anime movie he'd seen. Never lasted the whole way through one of those. And if I can watch the last 10 minutes of it, I'll get this one done. (laughs) Just kidding, I got distracted. It's a really good story, and I see why it impacted him. Very good story. Something that surprised me from that text that I sent out was how many people replied with, none of them have impacted my life. I just watch them to watch them for entertainment. Okay, but listen, don't think for a moment that the people who made that movie were simply wanting to entertain you and make money from you. Clint Eastwood in his recent films, George Lucas in his first Star Wars film, Ron Howard, Kathleen Kennedy. Each of these producers has much more on their mind than making money and entertaining you. And if that were not true, they are not worth their salt as an artist. And they would say the same. Stories are designed to communicate meaning. You might say that story is kind of the bridge that connects ideas with words. I mean, I can say to you, even when you can't help everyone, it's important to help those whom you can help. And you would understand those words. But when I say to you, the starfish story. And when I get to that place in that story where I say, matters to this one, that has a whole different impact than the words that I gave. We apprehend much of our world in stories. The author of Hebrews is dealing with a difficult subject when he gets to chapter 11. It's the subject of faith. And we call chapter 11 the faith chapter of the Bible. And he begins it with these words. Listen carefully to these words. I didn't put them on the screen. I didn't put them in the WhatsApp thing, I don't think, because I just want you to hear them and listen to them. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Got that? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Got that? It's kind of hard to grasp. I mean, if you just had those words... That's a hard concept to get my brain around. Faith is the confidence in the things we hope for and assurance concerning. Wait, what? What? Wait, what? And God knows. God knows that those words are important, but he also knows that those words are difficult for us to get our head around. So do you know what the rest of the faith chapter has? Story. Story. Right after he says those words, he bridges those words to the idea that he wants you to understand by talking about Cain and Abel. By faith, Cain and Abel um, offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham did this. Story, 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 story. Because stories bridge the gap between the idea and the words we use. And I don't think that it is incorrect to say this, that if you want to understand the God of the Bible, you would do well to understand his stories. 
Because while James Cameron may indeed produce a movie called Titanic with nothing more in mind than to be successful and to entertain you and to make a lot of money, God didn't just give us the Bible stories to entertain us and be successful and make a lot of money. The stories have meaning. How well do you know the Bible stories and what they're talking about? Let's take a little test. Pop quiz, got out of paper, number one to ten down a side margin. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I won't do that to you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your hands in a place where only you can see them. Okay? And then you're going to count how many are true. You're going to just move your finger like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Up to ten, because there's ten questions here. I just want, I want you to personally keep track of how many of these statements are true. Are you ready? True or false? The point of the story of Noah and the ark is that God cares about animals. True or false? Don't answer out loud. Move your finger and keep track if you think that's true. Number two, true or false? The story of the Tower of Babel is don't build a tower to heaven. True or false? True or false? The story of Abraham and his nephew Lot is be kind to your family. True or false? Number four, true or false? The story, the point of the story about Joseph and the coat of many colors is that if you're good, God will bless you. Question five, true or false? The point of Jacob and Esau is that brothers should love one another. Question six, true or false? It's my favorite. The story of Samson and Delilah is watch out for evil women. <laughs> I think the women laughed harder than the men. It, kind of, it was great. Number seven. The point of David and Goliath is that little things can beat big things. Number eight, true or false? The point of the story of Jonah is that you cannot run away from God. Number nine, true or false? The point of the story of Daniel and the lion's den is that lions do not like Jewish food. (laughs) No, 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 that's not what I have written here. It's just what came into my mind this morning. Let me give you number nine again, ready? Number nine. The point of the story of Daniel and the lion's den is that even lions obey God. And number 10, true or false? The point of the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is that you should share your lunch. Okay? Now, if you have 10 fingers up, you miss the points completely. Right? If you thought, Pastor Steve, your answers are absurd. They're all false. You are dead on. That's exactly right. Some of those ideas that I shared might be true, but that is not the point, the point that God has in mind for you to take from those stories. Still, (laughs) if you think, that's so absurd, you never heard anything like that, Pastor Steve, you would be wrong on 10 counts, on 10 counts, because people often miss the point of stories. Why? I, I think one of the things that we need to think about is, having a heart to hear the stories. After all, Jesus says, whoever has ears, let him hear. What do do those ears look like? What does a heart look like? What does the Bible require in terms of the heart that's gonna get the point of the story? And first, I would say that Bible stories require a listening heart, a heart that will listen. I mean, take the story of Abraham and Isaac. Some of you are familiar with this story. It's in Genesis chapter 22 and verse one. The story begins, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering 
on a mountain, I will show you. So I was pretty young. The first time I heard someone say, that is nothing short of child abuse. Hmm. If that's what you get from this story, you probably don't have a listening heart. This story serves as a focal point for Judaism and Christianity. But only people who have listening hearts will get the point. You see, a listening heart is a heart that wants to get the point, not to inject their point onto the story. A listening heart is a heart that wants to learn. A listening heart is a humble heart that wants to be taught. A listening heart is a heart that longs for instruction. Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, when Jesus is instructing his disciples on how to do ministry, he says to them in verse 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. What's he saying? He's saying, they don't have listening hearts. Don't waste precious time on them if they won't listen. When Paul is speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, he says, do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And he is affirming that until a person has a listening heart, there is very little profit in dialogue with them. Bible stories require a heart that listens. And you could also say that Bible stories require hungry hearts. Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 5. Jesus, I'm sorry, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 6. That was a dyslexic moment, wasn't it? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. I feel like Jesus would be okay with us just saying, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for anything holy and righteous and good and that glorifies God because God will provide it. He will. If you're hungry for the good thing, God will feed you the good thing. But you've got to be genuinely hungry. There's some words in our passage that we read that are kind of confusing, maybe even troubling to some people. Look again at verse 11. Listen as I read it. It says, he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Hmm. Is it that Jesus is wanting to withhold forgiveness from some people? No, not at all. Our passage actually began, if you go back to verse 9 of that passage, it began with the fact that he wants them to hear. He he says in verse 9, whoever has ears, let him hear. And you can hear if you want to hear. You can have it if you have a hungry heart. Don't ever get the idea that Jesus is holding some truth back from someone or some people. Peter says when he's speaking about God's love for us and how he wants us to know him, he says the Lord isn't slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to come to faith. What Jesus is saying here in our passage is that people who hear the gospel without really being hungry for truth They may think they understand, but unless their hearts are engaged, unless their hearts engage the truth, 
They won't understand. They will be deceived. And they'll have in their mind, well, I'm forgiven because I got that. That makes sense. I'm good with that. Without ever having been hungry for being forgiven. Hunger. That's a requirement in understanding a Bible story. And stories actually kind of filter out people who just aren't really interested. They discourage the concept of, what can I get from God without any genuine interest in God or in truth? They dissuade the one who's looking for the quick fix and the easy way out. Stories require hunger, hungry hearts. And I think you can say as well that stories require some time for digestion. (laughs) Not just in the hearing, but in the processing, in the contemplation of the idea after you've heard the story, in the reflection upon it, and in the integration of it into your own life experience. Years ago, a woman was struggling to really sense the love of God in her life. She came to talk to me about it. And since I knew that she was an avid reader, I recommended a book from Max Lucado. Max Lucado is probably one of the greatest storytellers of the past 20 or 30 years. He's a great storyteller. I I recall I gave her my copy of the book that I had in mind. It's about 200 pages long. This was maybe a Thursday or Friday or even a Saturday that I met with her. And she brought it back to me Sunday morning. (laughs) I thought she didn't even read it. She said, that didn't help a bit. (laughs) I said, did you read it? She said, yeah, I'm a fast reader. I read the whole thing. She did, but she didn't hear it. She didn't hear the story. She didn't allow it to soak into her soul. She didn't integrate it into her thinking. She didn't consider the implications of the stories for her own self. Stories, because they communicate deep truth, need to be considered deeply. Bible stories especially. And if you don't give a Bible story the proper time and reflection, then you will be the people Jesus is talking about in this mysterious passage. You will be seeing, but never perceiving, and hearing, but never understanding. So in the weeks ahead, I plan for us to look at kind of a series of Bible stories. I want to talk to you just briefly about how to get the most out of them. How do I get the most bang for my buck here, right? And obviously, one of the first things to say to you is, you need to know the story, even study the story. Years ago, I was doing some premarital counseling, and a couple was there in my office, and the, the, um, the woman got up to leave, and her fiancé was sitting there at my desk, and he was, not from a, he, was not from, he was from New York City, as I recall. He's sitting there at my desk, and uh, he just picks up the Bible that's right in front of him there. He's flipping through it, and, and he said something like this. He said, whoa, this Joseph guy with the coat, the colorful coat, is the story of Joseph in a Technicolor dream coat in here too? <laughs> I have to admit, that guy wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, right? But on top of that, it really does give us a picture of many people today. How well do you know the stories of the Bible? What is it that went down at the Tower of Babel? Is that nothing more than a biblical explanation of how we got all our languages? Is that why that story's there? Just to explain why we have all our languages. Is that the real story? Is that the point that God has in mind for you? How about this? How about this Mizpah coin? You recognize that? When my wife and I were engaged, when we were dating even, we had, we had that coin. It, it's two necklaces, and it's a coin that's kind of cut in half, and I had one half, and she had the other half. 
I can remember sitting close together and putting our necklaces together, reading it together. I even have it memorized, not because I knew it from the Bible, but because I know it from the coin. The Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. Oh, what a beautiful Bible verse. Do you know the story behind that? <laughs> that's not a love poem, that's a truce. <laughs> Listen, we've had some trouble in the past, and we're parting ways here. God's going to be watching you just like he's watching me when we turn our backs on each other. You got that? The Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the story? How about them she-bears? You know the story of the she-bears? It's every preacher's favorite story in the whole Bible. There's a pastor, a preacher, a prophet. His name's Elijah. There's a bunch of kids making fun of him, talking about his hair. Not that it was red or white. It was absent. Best we can tell, they said, go on up, you bald head. I don't know what that means, but I can tell you what happened. Two she-bears come down out of the woods and mauled them all. Oh, boy. There are moments in every pastor's life where he says, Lord, bring on the she-bears. <laughs> yeah. Listen, these stories have meaning. They're important stories. They're not there just to fill the pages or to entertain us. They're there to communicate truth to our souls, to who we are. I want to know the story. And if I want to get the most out of it, I'm going to have to live the story, not by building an ark. You don't live the story of Noah and the ark by building an ark. That's just silly. Rather, to live out that story, as you encounter it, you recognize God's displeasure with sin. He was really smoking mad about that. He was storming about their sin. Did you get the pun there? Just seeing if you're paying attention. He was really angry. And that should cause me to say, what's going on in my heart that may cause some rain to fall? And God, God rescued eight in all. He always has a remnant. So that should say to me, when I look at this world and say, this world is going to Hades in a handbasket. No, it's not. There's a remnant. There's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. How does that story apply to you? How does Jesus want to help you grow and to change you? Don't ever look at a Bible story just to be in the know or so that you can answer the true or false questions right next time or, or so that you can be entertained. Look at the narrative, process the story, see how it interacts with your reality and respond as the Holy Spirit speaks to your life. Live the stories. And third, share the stories. Tell the stories. I never see commercials anymore because all the video that Laurel and I watch, we stream. So I'm assuming there still are commercials on television, or on the dish, or I guess there are subscription services that you can save some money by watching. I don't know. Remember the 30-minute commercials that they would have on for like some shampoo or some cookware or something to restore the shine to your car? Do you remember those? Do they still have those? I haven't seen one of those in a couple decades probably, so my memory is probably not exactly right, but here's what I remember. I remember that the people who designed those commercials were smart enough to implement not just information and demonstration, but story. I can remember that. Yeah. This guy comes on. He says, I had this old truck for 20 years, and I used it for hauling coal over those tar roads for 20 years. You know how coal mess up 
mess up the exterior of a truck and tar as well. It is filthy. There's no shine on it at all. And I could not get a girl to go out on a date with me. But then I found this very product right here, this Shine Restore Finish 5001 Plus. I put it on and it put so much luster, it's just like the tooth we took out of Grandma's mouth after she died. That gold tooth, so shiny. Man, that's how my truck shined right there. And now, every Saturday night, I go out with a different girl. (laughs) Why in the world do they have that happening? Because they know the power of story in general and they know the power of story personally. Stories are so important. When you know the story, when you allow the story to live in you, and when you share the story, the story does the heavy lifting. It does the work. And stories are incredibly powerful. They call the story of Jesus the greatest story ever told. Have you heard it called that? I remember when I was just a kid, and I thought, well, I don't know about that. What about Hansel and Gretel? You know, I literally remember having that thought. It is the greatest story ever told because it is about the greatest act of love ever given and the greatest power of redemption ever displayed. Story. I want to pray that this week and in the weeks that are ahead, as we explore some of the stories of the Bible, that our ears would be open to hear, not casually, but actively exploring what God has to say to us. And I want to pray that as we move forward, that our hearts would be hungry to feast. You know, this happens every time we have maybe chicken at my house. My wife will eat hers and I'll eat mine. And we throw the bones on the plate that we got it from. And she'll say, there's still a lot of meat on there. I want us all to take the stories as though they were chickens and as though we're Laurel. We're going to take all the meat, right? We're going to be hungry and diligently seek after the point of the story, the truth. And as we explore these stories, I want to pray that our mind would willingly engage them, allowing that truth to soak in and transform our life. Because Titanic, I'm pretty sure that was mostly about, I think I can win the prizes and I think I can make the money. And I just want you to be entertained so that happens for me. I think he did a good job with that. But the stories in the word of God, they are for something far greater than that. They are to transform us into the image of Christ. I want to pray that that would happen in the weeks that are ahead. Somebody said to me when I left, when, when they were leaving the early service, they said, you going to give us the stories ahead of time, Pastor Steve, so we can read them before the, the Sunday that they're there? I love that hunger. I love that hunger. I hope I can deliver. <laughs> It requires me to be really organized to get them to you early in the week, you know. I want you to have that hunger as well. So if you would, let's stand together and we'll pray to that end. Would you unite your heart with me in prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we consider your word and the stories that you've given us, we consider ourselves to be blessed. So blessed are we because we don't have like a formula Faith is the essence of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen. Those words are beautiful, but it's the stories by faith, by faith, by faith that helps us understand those words. And even by the power of your spirit helps us implement that truth. 
So I pray that as we consider stories ahead of time, first I pray you will help me to pick the good, not the good stories, to pick the stories that are right for us because they're all good. Pray that you would help us have ears that would be open to hear, not casually, but actively listening and exploring. Pray that you would give us hearts that would be hungry to feast, diligently seeking the truth. I pray that our minds would be willing to engage, allow truth to soak in. I pray that you would be glorified through this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.